Okay, so hey, um, today is uh, around the world there's people that are celebrating a day today. They're calling it Palm Sunday. And uh, when you study in the scripture and you look at the timeline, do you remember this, Sister? Um, somebody last year, we zipped right through it, and I didn't say nothing. They're like, you guys didn't say anything on Palms. You didn't say anything about Palm Sunday. I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay. Well, I'll say something. So Palm Sunday, what it is, it's the 10th of Abib. On the 10th of Abib, when you study it in the book of, in the Old Testament, it's related with Passover. And uh, they would take the lamb in on the 10th day. It had to be a lamb without spot. It had to be a lamb without blemish. And this is the day that Jesus entered into Jerusalem. He intentionally stopped and he wept and he prayed over the city. And then he came in on the 10th day. And so we know that Jesus Christ fulfilled. He is the Passover lamb. He fulfilled all the aspects of that. He was even killed on the day that they would kill the lamb on the 13th of Abib. And so the Bible says that lamb is kept up to, but not including, the 14th day, which is Passover. So the preparation day is the 13th. That's the day that Jesus Christ was crucified before sundown. He was taken down from the cross because it was a Sabbath, but it wasn't the regular weekly Sabbath. It was the high Sabbath, and if you study the Sabbaths, there are seven high Sabbaths that the Jews have every year. And a high Sabbath was there was no, uh, there was, uh, uh, you know, there's to be no work done. These are days that they could fall on any day of the week. And so we know that Jesus Christ was not crucified on a Friday when you study out the, the numbers and stuff like that. So... Palm Sunday is the day that Jesus came into Jerusalem and they took palm trees from the, the palm branches and they laid them down and they said, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they sang and the Pharisees tried to say, hey, these guys, no, this is getting out of hand. Tell them to stop. And what did Jesus say? Yeah, we used to sing a song. Um, Ain't uh, my dad used to sing it. Do you remember this, Sister Kathy? Ain't no tree gonna cry in my place as long as I'm alive to glorify his holy name. Ain't no rock. <laughs> oh, ain't no tree gonna lift his branches. That's right. And then it's ain't no rock. I, I had it all mixed up. It's been so many years since I heard it. My dad used to sing it. But um, that's what... Just a quick little summary of what Palm Sunday is. And, um, and so this week, you know, over there in Jerusalem and in Israel, they have the Jews who go in there and they, you know, this is their week where they remember uh, Passover. But we remember Passover for a different reason. Because Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb. He died for our sins. And uh, he died for the opportunity for each and every one of us to be saved. And I'm thankful for that. So Palm Sunday is just a quick little... Any questions? All right. Perfect. Good.
All right. <laughs> Brother Savage is going to be uh, preaching today to us. And uh, he, he said he was going to bring a football today. I don't know if he did. <laughs> so Wednesday night he brought, uh, you know, we played catch. Uh, but I don't know what we're going to do today. But um, it's just good to see everyone today in the house of the Lord. And, um, oh, hold on a minute. We got a birthday tomorrow. Oh, Joe. <laughs> Joe has a birthday tomorrow. My son, Joel, just had a birthday yesterday on April Fool's Day. And um, who else has a birthday? Anyone else have a birthday? So let's just sing to them. Happy birthday to you. Oh, happy birthday to you. Every day of the year, may you feel Jesus near. Happy birthday to you, oh happy birthday to you, have the best day you've ever had. Amen. Brother Savage. Well, praise the Lord, everyone. It's good to be in church this morning. I did not bring a football. I was just joking with Brother Thorson. You know, sometimes you study the Word of God and you just dig in and you get real deep, and that's awesome and wonderful. Uh, sometimes object lessons are nice to drive the point home. And there's times when you step to the pulpit and you have pages and pages of notes, and there's times when God says, Open your mouth and I'll fill it. But it's all good. It's wonderful. That's just how God is. It works. And uh, he knows what we need. And hopefully when we're all, uh, you know, in conclusion, the service uh, is over, we walk away saying God was there and he did it. And we know he did it because it's nothing that we can do. We can't, we can't explain the things that are done sometimes. Well, that's just the kind of God he is. Praise God. I want to say uh, thank you for the Thorsons for having us here. And uh, I can't really say it's been a vacation. <laughs> but he could have called somebody else, and I kind of wish he'd no. <laughs> but we are so thankful for uh, their friendship, their confidence in us. And uh, I want to say thank you to Brother and Sister McAtee for their uh, kindness, their hospitality, letting us stay at the cabin, and uh, just enjoyed our time here this week. But uh, today, we're in the house of God, and we want to hear from the Lord. That means you and I have to uh, step out of the way. We, we like to fix things, you know. If we see a problem, we want to tackle it head on. We want, we want to fix it. And we're really good at fixing things until we can't fix it. Oh, then it's a mess, isn't it? Well, I better read a text uh, today. Genesis chapter number 6.
verse number 14 of the 6th chapter of Genesis. The Lord speaking to Noah said, Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. This is the fashion which thou shalt make of it, it of the length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. A window. Thank God for windows. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above, and the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof with lower second and third stories shalt thou make it. Praise God. Can we pray together? Just pray with me and ask God to help us, help me touch my thoughts this morning. We want God to have his way in this place. Let's pray together. Jesus. And everybody said, in Jesus' name, name. amen. You may be seated this morning. Noah is instructed to build something. And uh, it is awesome when God instructs us to do things because we can have confidence that whatever he tells us to do is the right thing to do. And... uh, God gave Noah specific instructions when it came to building the ark. Very specific instructions. And he used a unit of measurement that was common to the day. And uh, there was a slight differentiation. There was the standard cubit, and then there was the lengthy cubit. or They have other names for it. But essentially a cubit, how many know how long that is? 18-ish. That's about right. It's just the length from your elbow to your fingertips. That's one cubit. That's a standard cubit of measurement. So the ark that God told Noah to build, unless he had superhuman arms that were very, very long, uh, it wasn't very big. Especially by today's standards when you have Uh, ships, you know, some of the uh, cruise ships that are out there floating on the water, they're the size of small cities, uh, and and thousands and thousands of people can uh, relax and do all kinds of things on a boat that big. So God is telling Noah to build a boat, and he's given him the dimensions that it is supposed to be. Now, the fixer in you and I might say, That's not big enough. The fixer in you and I might want more than one window. The fixer in you and I might think that this thing's not going to be seaworthy at all. In fact, there was a debate between two men, a scientist and a minister. And the scientist, uh, he brought out the points how that the 
uh, just the way the ark was fashioned, the shape of it, and what materials were used. There was nothing about it that would give you confidence that it would remain on the water for a half of a day. The current that was caused uh, in that kind of a flood, he said it would rip that vessel to pieces, and it would not be able to last even one day. But what we forget so many times is the God factor. When God says, this is the way that I want it done, and this is how, if you will follow my instructions, this is what's going to be the thing that works. Trust me, this will work. If you'll just do it like I tell you to do it, it will work. When you do it God's way, it works. Noah is building by faith. Amen. God is instructing him because, not because something did happen, but because something was going to happen. And I can imagine as the years go by, uh, uh, there's a lot of things said about this crazy man that's building a boat in his yard. And uh, how that he's preaching and saying things that, oh, it's just impossible for that to be so. But Noah... Amen. He found favor in the eyes of God, and he did what God told him to do. Noah was not a fixer. Noah was a man of faith. We like to fix things. I want to read about another man, just tell you a little bit about something that happened after Noah's uh Ark and after the flood, and uh, this is a man that uh, he began to think about some things, and he did something in response. It was a reaction to what God did. Genesis chapter number ten. <clears throat> Tells us about a man by the name of Nimrod. Verse number 8 said, Cush begat Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one in the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Wherefore it is said, even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. Now, sometimes when we read King James Bible, we have to understand that they're, the way they use words were a little bit different than we use them in 2023. If you read that, you might think, well, he was a mighty hunter. He went out and whatever he did, whatever, whenever he uh, drew a bow, if that was his method, whatever he did to hunt game, uh, he did it and he thanked God for it. He did everything as unto the Lord. But if you study that, you understand that the opposite is true. He was not, uh, the hunter in him was not somebody that hunted for food, uh, but he was a marauder. He would go from village to village and he would destroy. And everything he did, he was not giving God praise for it, but it was in the face of God. It was the opposite of what God wanted. Everything about God, Nimrod hated. That's the kind of individual this man was. The very next verse it gives us a little bit of clarity because it lets us know that his kingdom, the beginning of his kingdom, was Babel. As in Babylon. This is the man 
that was responsible for the uh, creation, if you will, or the building of Babel. He was one of the founding fathers. And they began to think we have a problem. They began to question the ways of God. And they began to understand that if God wanted to, he could send another flood. So they said, we have an issue. We have a problem and we need to fix this problem. We do not want to be one of the victims of a flood like our forefathers were. And we need to do something to correct this issue. So they began to build. And the Bible says he built a city and a tower. His people began to build a city and they built a tower. I have read different things about this tower uh, that everybody seems to know about. It's, uh, you know, they know about knowing the flood and they know about the Tower of Babel. There was, you know, those little books that, uh, you know, when I, when I was young, they were probably about 10 pages long. And they still told you about knowing the flood, right? They got the nice little boat and they got a giraffe's head sticking out of one of the 12 windows on one side. There was just one window, right? Well, praise the Lord, somebody didn't read their Bible. <laughs> And then we read about the Tower of Babel, how that it is constructed. But you can read different accounts and some say that the base was over a mile wide and a mile long. Some say it was over four miles wide and four miles long. But just so you understand, the base was very, very large. Because they wanted to build this tower so high that it would go above any floodwaters that God might send if he were to destroy the world by a flood again. They were trying to fix things when what really needed to be fixed, fixed was... Well, praise the Lord. We like to fix things, but sometimes we're concentrating on the, the wrong things we need to fix. You see, Noah obeyed God. There's two types of people. Praise God. You say there's, you know, there's two types, three types of people in the world, those who can count and those who can't. And some of you will understand what I just said on the way home. There's two types of people, those that want to follow God in His ways and those that do not. And you may think, well, those that do not, they're not sitting here today. I submit you to, this, to you this morning, there's several, there's many out there in the city of Placerville and the surrounding area. They want to know God. They want to know who He is. They just need somebody to direct them and show them the way. What was said earlier today, thank you, Sister Thorson, Brother Jesse, those, hey, God is looking for people. We need to be looking for those people too. We need to be reaching out and, and helping them to understand there is a God that can change your life. Come on, it's, it's better than AA. It's better than any program that man can design that tries to fix things. Because we are fixers, that's what we do. But if you will honor God and have faith and confidence in God, let God take care of your problems. Give God a chance to help you. Well, the first thing He's going to do is require you to change and the preacher is going to get down in your pig pen and start slinging a little slop. He's going to go into your closet and He's going to start throwing the junk out. You need to let Him do it. Hey, this is a man of God here. 
We have it from the mouth of babes. Jesus is in this man. And you understand when he gets behind the pulpit and he begins to direct your life. Or you call him on the phone and you're asking for direction. And he tells you the exact opposite of what you wanted to hear. You understand you're hearing from God. And you need to do what the preacher's telling you to do. If you'll have confidence in God, quit trying to fix it yourself. And let God direct your life. Good things are in store. Wonderful things are going to happen. God is going to help you out of your state. Amen. Nimrod was a man that wanted to do it all on his own. And God it got to the place where he said, Well, I reckon we ought to go down and take a visit. We're going to let us go down and see. And those of you, if you're a Trinitarian this morning, that doesn't reference three gods. Well, don't get quiet on me now. It's okay. I've preached in libraries before. <laughs> Come on, that's, that's not a... Re oh, look, look, it says us. That means there's more than one. No, that's called... Amen. That's, that, that is a rule that they had. That is, that's how they spoke. And we still kind of use it in society today. It's called the law of majestic plurality. And what that means is we use plurals. Amen. To emphasize the power and the authority. So when God said, I'm going to visit this tower. Amen. He was coming in all power and all authority. Amen. You want to know who can fix things? God can fix things. You want to know who's in control? God is in control. Amen. We need to quit thinking that we're in control so much. Well, glory. We got quiet again. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> Listen, it is amazing how we think we are so powerful. I'll give you an example or two. <laughs> Amen. Mankind, they think they're so powerful. They got tree huggers out there. We got to save everything. You got some kind of frog around here, right? That... Yeah, there's probably frogs. You got water, you got frogs, right? <laughs> you, get, you told me once that, that uh, you know, there's certain places they can't build because there's a frog. And they don't want to upset the habitat for the frog. What kind of frog is it? A frog is a frog is a frog. We're thinking that we can somehow destroy what God created. If somebody pushes that big red button, if the president pushes that, I don't even know if there's a big red button. I think there's probably a failsafe where there has to be at least one or two. Uh, yeah, there, there's a phone call, isn't? Yeah, there's there's failsafes in place so nobody can just push the big red button and the world ends. We we think, you know, mankind as a whole, maybe not you and I specifically, because I know better. I know God's bigger than that. He's bigger than you and me. But we are taught we've got to preserve our world when the world takes care of itself. There's a cycle every 65 to 85 years that the world just it kind of goes through a cycle. And God knows how to maintain that which he created. Praise the Lord. Years ago, Ex uh, it wasn't Exxon, that was years and years ago. Uh, BP, the oil spill in the Gulf. Amen. That, that happened and it was all over the news, all over the world. And they said, oh, we have destroyed that ecosystem. It's going to take centuries. It's going to take so long for the Gulf to recover. Two weeks later, they're going, wow. The water's blue again. And the scientists are like, we can't explain it. It's just, we just never understood. We just miscalculated. 
How that those little microbes, all those, all those elements in the water could just, just dissolve that oil and, and it's, the water's blue again. What we thought was going to take centuries took days because God knows what He's doing. Mankind thinks He's so big, He can destroy what God created. Let me tell you, you can't destroy what God created. You cannot destroy what God has done. You cannot destroy what He plans to do because He is God and we are not. Well, praise, you think what you want to. I'm just a nobody from Kansas. And I'm going to go home here in a few days and you can say, thank God he's gone. <laughs> Nimrod had a grand scheme and he was going to follow through with that because he despised the things of God. You can choose to build however you want. You can fix your life. You can try and fix it. But, you know, there's just some things that are beyond your control. Praise the Lord. Well, how many of you like growing old? Can I confess to you this morning? They say confession is good for the soul. I got up a little bit slower than I did about 15, 20 years ago. I hurt in places I didn't even know I had. And it's your fault. No. <laughs> Look, you can't help but grow old. I mean, you can try, you, can, you know, you can get hair implants. No, this is not an implant. This is the real thing, every last bit of it. Somebody said, you got a haircut. I said, yeah, and they were kind enough to cut all three of them when they did. Look, you can try to fix everything. But if you just let God take control of your life, just let let God have this. We're back to that relationship again. Come on. You've got to talk to him. You've got to talk to him. You've got to let him talk to you. That's the conversation part of it. Praise God. Well, you've got to let him talk to you. Look, there are so many things that are beyond your control. There's a saying that says, fix the things that you can. Don't worry about the things that you can't. A lot of us like to fix the things that we can and still worry about those things that we can't. Praise God. Now, I'm, I'm a pretty laid-back guy. If you haven't realized that by now, I'm just letting you know. I'm, I'm, just, you know, I'm pretty easygoing. And just because I like things done a certain way, that doesn't mean that's the only way that they can be done. Are you hearing me this morning? Just because I think it should be done this way, it's not my responsibility to go around and fix everybody and make them just like me. God forbid there's a world of people just like me. I would get so tired of me. And if you're honest, if everybody was just like you, you'd get sick and tired of them real fast too. See, it's the, the diversity in our character that makes us, uh, we complement one another. And we, you know, it, that contrast is what is necessary for us to survive. Praise the Lord. So what I'm giving you this morning is a contrast. There's two different men we're talking about. One, he's wanting to do it his own way. And whatever happens, he's going to do it his own way. The other, this is the contrast. He chooses to let God 
instruct him and tell him what to do. And the end is the saving of him and his family. Look, you can do it your way and you can destroy yourself and everybody around you. Praise the Lord. There's not a one of us that doesn't make a mistake every once in a while and we just kind of go, oh, stupid, stupid, stupid. Why did I do that? Why did I say that? Praise God. Everybody knows what their own foot tastes like. Do they say that here in California, Brother Thorson? That's a Kansas thing? There's a lot of Kansas. Okay. Well, what we mean is, you know, have you ever stuck your foot in my... Do you say that? Well, praise the Lord. You know what it's like to stick your foot in your mouth? I didn't come up with the saying. It's not my fault. There's no one understand what that means is you really messed up. You know, you didn't think here before you opened this. We all do that occasionally. Well, maybe you need to fix some of that, but ask God to help you. He can help you, give you a little wisdom on how to do it. Praise God. You see, we like, we like to fix things. You know, when I was young, I grew up in, well, I did not grow up in the 2010s. I'll just say that. When I was young, I don't know if you can still do this, but, you know, we didn't have a whole lot of money growing up. New pair of jeans was awesome. You know, you get them, and they're dark blue. They're almost black. And, you know, they start, to, you know, you play in them. You go outside and play. And maybe I am dating myself. You all still go outside and play? <laughs> right? You wrestle with your brothers and sisters. And, you know, I mean, you get down on the ground. And you roll around. And you play in the dirt and the grass. And, you know, you come in. And mom, you know, she's upset because you got grass stains on your new jeans. You should have wore your old ones. Does nobody go outside in California? Did you do that? Did you ever rip a hole in your jeans? Usually the knees, right? Okay, so after you rip a hole in your jeans and mom gets upset because, you know, money don't grow on trees anywhere, and she will go to, you know, she'll go to the store and she's not going to buy you a new pair of jeans just so you can rip another hole in them. She buys that package of patches, you know, denim patches that... Well, Sister Thorson knows what I'm talking about here. <laughs> Do they still have those? And mom would take those and, you know, she used to have to sew them on. And then she got the victory because they come out with iron-on patches. Woo, life just got a whole lot easier. Somebody fixed it. <laughs> so she would put the patch on the knee of those jeans and then we'd go out and play in our old jeans with a new patch. And you know what would happen? All around that patch, as we were playing and rolling around in the grass and all of those things that we did, sliding into third base and whatever, all around that patch, it would just begin to tear. So when it was all said and done, unless mama caught it in time and put another patch on this corner, so now you got two patches, you know? It's like a 3D effect on your knee. <laughs> or you're growing something. It would tear all around that patch. Why? Because the patch was new. It was stiff. The jeans were still old. There's nothing you can do to make them new again. Jesus made an analogy 
I don't think he had the kind of patch we do, but they did the same thing in his day. You know, you take a garment that's been worn and tore, and you know, you want to you want to repair it, you want to try and save it. But Jesus, he he made a, a statement about uh, some things, and of course, he draws a spiritual parallel. He said in Luke 5 that uh, in verse 36, he said, "No man putteth a piece of a new garment upon an old." If otherwise, then both the new maketh a rent. That's what I just explained to you. And the piece taken out of the new garment, of the new, agreeeth not with the old. Praise the Lord. You know, you've heard enough preaching to be saved over a hundred times. How many have been going to the Bible studies on Friday nights? How many... Uh, okay. <laughs> How many, okay, let, let's just simplify this. How many of you, this is your first time hearing a preacher preach? That's what I thought. Most of us have heard enough preaching to be saved so many times. But there's something that keeps us from getting exactly what, what we need and getting to where we need to be with God. And that is that old garment. It's that old stuff that we refuse to get out of our lives. We refuse to just let it go. He also said, no man putteth new wine into old bottles, else the new wine will burst the bottles. And be spoiled, and the bottles shall perish. But new wine must be put into new bottles, and both are preserved. So they didn't just go and get grape juice. That's what the wine is here, grape juice. Unfermented grape juice. They wouldn't just go to the grocery store and get a bottle of grape juice and go home and open the Frigidaire. Put it inside, make sure the light was on, and it was cold, and, and preserve that for as long as they could. Those bottles were wineskins, and they would take that freshly squeezed grape juice, and they would put it in the bottle, and then they would seal it, and then they would put it in the ground, and that the temperature over there, especially near bodies of water, I can't remember the name of the particular one that uh, was used in this reference, but they would put it in the ground and the temperature would preserve that wine for a long, long time. Without preservatives. It was a natural way to do it. And the Lord said, you know, when you take that wine out of the ground, I'm, I'm expounding what he's saying here, but when you take the wine out of the ground and you use it, then you have that bottle empty. An old wineskin. And you might be tempted to reuse that wineskin the next time you go to make some wine. But the problem is, since you have exposed it to the air, there's a fermentation process that has begun. Nature happens. And because nature happens, if you were to take new wine and put it back in that bottle and seal it back up, and put it in the ground, what happens is the fermentation process is still going on. 
and it builds gas and it builds pressure until finally the bottle can't take it anymore and just you've lost the bottle, you've lost the wine. But he said new wine must be put in new bottles. Isn't it amazing how long people come now? I think I said it here, you know, there's nothing wrong with a, you know, a baby in mama's womb. You know, spiritually speaking, there's nothing wrong with people that come to church and they learn about God. And, you know, the church is the mother. And they're, they're in the church until they get to the place where they can be born again. That happens in Kansas, too. That's not just a California thing. But there comes a time when the preacher, the pastor, he becomes a little concerned because, you know, it's normally nine months, naturally, for a human baby. In other words, you can't stay in the womb forever. It's the safest place a baby can be until it's time for the baby to come into this world. Then it's not a safe place for the baby or the mother anymore. You can't stop the natural process of things. So there has to come a time, and sometimes we get concerned because they've heard enough preaching to be saved a hundred times. I have preached, I have, I have given them the gospel, I have preached to them, amen, about the resurrection. Amen, the, you know, the gospel is simple, simple for us Gentiles. We don't need the lineage of, of, of all the Jews and everything. It's, just, it's really simple for us to understand. Paul summed it up to Timothy. He said, remember that Jesus Christ from the seed of David rose from the dead according to my gospel. That's the gospel in one sentence. Now, I understand we need to know details. We like details. We want to know details. And you need to know details because you, you, I'm giving you details this morning. That old bottle, it won't work. This old vessel, you got to clean it up. Praise the Lord. God wants you to be saved even more than you do. Praise God. Well, I'm coming to church, isn't that enough? Now, come on. We're talking about a relationship this morning. From the very beginning, from the time Brother Jesse stepped to the pulpit, it's been about a relationship. You've got to have that relationship with Him. Praise God. I know, I know. Well, I, I believe in God. You know, the apostle said the devils also believe. They don't just believe in God. They believe in one God. They believe and they tremble. A lot of folks believe, but they don't even tremble at his name. Praise the Lord. <laughs> the book of Acts, you know, there were some that, man, they, they liked this. <laughs> they liked the worship. They liked the services. They liked to go to church. They, liked, they loved the apostolic church. Man, we want to be a part of that. So there was a few of them, they take it upon themselves to go and start casting out devils. We adjure you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. The devil said, Jesus I know. Understand, the devil knew Jesus. Paul I know. 
They knew Paul. Oh, praise the Lord. They said, but who are you? I don't know you. <laughs> you know, What a horrible way to find out you don't have power with God. <laughs> what a horrible way to find out that you just have a religion without relationship. See the contrast. Nimrod is responsible not just for the tower and the city, but him and his offspring are responsible, his mother is responsible for so many false doctrines. And we're not talking about the false doctrines like, you know, Eastern cultures, although that they got some of that too, but a lot of them has crept into the apostolic church. This man was somebody that opposed God totally. The contrast of that is Noah. I said, Lord, I'll just be a vessel for you. I'll just let you use me however you want to. People are going to think you're crazy. Brother Thorson, have you ever been called crazy? That crazy preacher? Or was it just you personally? <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't get a confirmation on the second part, so I didn't, I didn't know. What's so crazy about truth? What's so crazy about a zeal for God? What's so crazy about a love for God and a love for your fellow man that you would not preach the gospel to them and let them know that Jesus can save them too? Is that crazy? If it is, then I guess I'm crazy too. You're in good company. I guess I should say I'm in good company. Well, praise the Lord. Romans 14 and 17 said, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, although we do like to do that. What is the kingdom of God? It's righteousness. It is peace. And it is joy. In the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom of God. Maybe I'm being too simple this morning. Is that, that's okay. You know, the apostle said in one place, and I, I, my, my father-in-law would say, I'm fixing to close. I don't know how you fix to close, but I'm fixing to close. That, that's a Kansas thing. Like Brother Thorson, I, I don't know, you or somebody come to the instruments. In Kansas, that really lets you know I'm fixing to close. It's going to be at most another 30 minutes. <laughs> the kingdom of God is not meat or drink. But the kingdom of God is righteousness. Can you have righteousness without the Holy Ghost? Can you have peace without the Holy Ghost? Can you have joy without the Holy Ghost? You can convince yourself you have it.
said, you can convince yourself you have it. But if the vessel's empty, well, preacher, who are you to tell me what I have and what I don't have? I just want you to be honest with yourself this morning. Righteousness. Because you have that righteousness, you're at peace. See, one pill is all it is. And because of that peace, you, you, know, you have joy knowing that your sins have been washed away in the precious blood of Jesus. And he has filled you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. I just feel like this is a good stopping place. I have more to say, but this, this is a good stopping place. Righteousness. Not ours, his. Righteousness. Peace. Passes all understanding. I really can't tell you everything. Can't explain it. It's, it's beyond my understanding, but let me tell you something. I've never felt such peace but in the Holy Ghost. Joy. Joy. Those things that you cannot control. 
is not a scientist in this world that is brilliant enough to give me the answer I need. They could spend their lifetime teaching. We could spend our lifetime doing. Brother Jesse, if people would just get a hold of God and pray. I submit to you this morning, one minute of prayer can do more than a lifetime of teaching by somebody that does not know God. One minute of prayer can fix some things. We have more than one minute. What could happen? Yeah.